Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Daniel, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we're talking about Teddy Lion. Okay, this sa- <laughs> is this a person? Teddy Lion Teddy Lion is a person. He is known professionally as Teddy Lion. Uh, I was hoping you'd say that this was like a kid's toy, like some kind of unholy fusion of a teddy bear and a lion. Oh, I wish. But Teddy Lion. Hi, my name's Teddy Lion. You're listening to the smooth tunes of Teddy Lion. <laughs> oh, I was thinking more like a wildlife ranger. I own the largest safari in Oklahoma. <laughs> teddy Lion. Well, I'm afraid we're going to disappoint on, on, on two points. Uh, well, he, he, he's not a safari owner, and he's not an American. Oh, okay. Todor Vasilev. Oh, it's a stage name. professionally name. as Teddy Lyon, is a singer, songwriter, guitar player, and music producer from Porek, Croatia. Ah, I think this is the first time we've had a Croatian on the podcast. I bloody love Croatia, Dan. I don't know if we've talked about this before. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. I've been once... Uh, I've been twice... Twice, I think, and um, absolutely adore it. I would go back in a heartbeat. If any, we have any Croatian listeners, you have a beautiful country. So tell me about Teddy Lyon. It says here that, so in his career, Teddy Lyon has transitioned from the lead guitar player in the band Triangle, without the E, to established vocalist, producer and composer across whole Europe. Across whole Europe? Across whole Europe. Wow, that's a lot of Europe. There is then a hyperlink... To Europe. <laughs> oh, God, no! The laptop just explodes. <laughs> there isn't a hyperlink to anything else in the uh, introduction, including Porek and Croatia. Oh, wow. <laughs> it just leads to Europe, as in Europe is a continent also recognised as part of your, you know, the entire Wikipedia for Europe. If you go onto Teddy Lyon's page, by any chance, is there on the left-hand side you can have the translations... Can you find the Croatian version? Because I wonder if it's like an enormous article in, in Croatian, but in English it's like really cut down. I always find this interesting, the differences in articles between languages. Languages. Oh, I need to log in. You shouldn't have to. Hang on, I'm going to do the unthinkable. I'm going to go on Teddy Lion. Uh, I searched Teddy Lion and I immediately got um, a load of pictures of lions that were teddy bears. Um, ah. Languages. This isn't available in any other language. Well, there we are. Interesting. Okay. He's niche. But he's... Thank you, Sean Connery. I agree, he is quite nice. He's, he's niche. <laughs> he's the, uh, the daughter of my sister, my niche. It's safe to say he's niche. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Dr. Jones? Anyway, <laughs> early life and career beginnings. Teddy Lyon showed interest in music at a very young age, and while living in Skopje... He was admitted to the Pedagogue Academy of Music in Skopje. Skopje is Macedonia, isn't it? Rather than Croatia. I I don't know. I think it's the capital of Macedonia. It is the capital and largest city of North Macedonia, because, of course, they, re they, they recently changed the name of Macedonia, didn't they? Sorry, this is scintillating content. Modern geopolitical commentary on, <laughs> on the Wikicast this week. Um, everyone. So Skopje in his early life and career beginnings. In the meanwhile, right. he visits Switzerland and becomes part of the international band Phoenix. We've all been there. He returns to Skopje and enters one of the most famous bands on the Balkans, Triangle, without knee, as a lead guitar player with whom he records his first final record. The years that follow, he was mostly at concerts and working as a studio guitar player for radio and television Skopje on many projects as well as other radio and TV events. In the late 80s, he moves to Croatia at the Adriatic coast. There he opens a, a private Piccadilly sound and media studio along with his brother, Bobby Rosso. These <laughs> are amazing. What is this? Sorry. A, a Piccadilly sound and media studio. What does that mean? There he opens a private Piccadilly sound and media studio where Piccadilly and studio are capitalised. Along with his brother Bobby Rosso, and here is where he creates most of his work. During that period, he travels to <laughs> Vienna, Austria, to play with the music band Face to Face, close friends and co-workers with the great Austrian pop star Falco. Falco! That period of his life... He circled Europe like a falcon on a music, yeah, on a mu on on a music tours, 
and a studio guitar player worked on several high-end music projects. Okay, you know what? I, I, like, my instinct here is perhaps understandably to like have a go at how this article is written because it is clearly not polished. Mm. But I think this is an opportunity to salute the goddamn heroism of people who write and edit Wikipedia. Absolutely. I don't know if we've ever actually acknowledged this on the show before, a hundred and something episodes, but... How incredible is it that we are able to, that, you know, that this exists, that there is a Wikipedia article. Yeah, who cares if the language isn't exactly right? It's almost certainly written by somebody who's for whom English is their second or third language. Like, mm -hmm. it's a free encyclopedia, and somebody just took the time to write this in, in another language. Like, isn't that amazing? It's incredible. This knowledge here for knowledge's sake. Now, there are two further subsections that discuss the band formation the band being the Teddy Lion selection, mm. and a little bit on solo performance. However, I am being sidetracked slightly by the little profile pane on the right-hand side that does link to teddylion.com. Oh, my God. Hang on. And I might have to go there. I'm going to go there myself. He looks a bit like... He looks like Peter Gabriel. I was going to say he looks like if the penguin <laughs> from Batman had uh, had sort of had, sort of had a sort of uh, a, a music sort of comeuppance in, in later years. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I can see it. I can see that working. Um, this is a website. Oh, I see, see it. So this is available in four languages. Um, but it does, it does promise, but Dan, to be a band to suit everyone. Fun, tireless male and female vocals. The band is adorned with a guitar virtuoso, a female drummer, singer, keyboardist, and three phenomenal vocals. We emphasise running the programme in fluent Croatian, German, Italian, Spanish and English. <laughs> at the same time, which is remarkable. Yeah, ba Babelfish at the ready, uh, everyone, everyone. This is, like, it's part of this. I, I wonder what percentage of the internet is comprised of pages like this, where it's like, this has clearly been put together by somebody maybe, oh, gosh, I don't even know, five, ten years ago. and I'd say probably even more. And, and it, like, obviously has been kind of kept up to date. They have sort of upcoming performances. Admittedly, all of these are in 2021. Um, I, I assume the pandemic has done a number on the Teddy Lion, but the Teddy Lion party band. Um, but it's, you know, what percentage of the internet are these kind of... They're almost zombie websites. It's almost like coming across the ruins of an ancient civilization. It just so happens to be five or ten years old rather than a thousand. You, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna follow. I want to. I want to follow them on Instagram. Are we? Is this gonna be another? Um, uh, oh God, uh, dads. We and we the tornado. It might be. <laughs> whenever we, whenever the Wikicast comes into contact with music, we're like, yes, this, this is what we want. Right, I found them. They've got 413 followers. Okay, right. This, this, so we're going to put a. This is a public service announcement. No, no. Okay. Of, of listening. We've got want, to use our I powers want... for good, Dan. <laughs> Absolutely. We are using them for good. Teddy Lyon is an institution and he's worked jolly hard. We don't even know what he sounds like. Hang on, let me listen to one of these videos. I want to see if they're actually any good. Oh god, it's 40 minutes. Let me skip to the middle. Oh. Okay, interesting. I'm listening to the music now. I describe this as being a bit like Kraftwerk meets Nightwish. <laughs> nice. Oh wait, now they're singing some status quo. This set is all over the place. Oh, I see. They are. Oh, this is actually kind of interesting. Right. They've got these videos that are quite long. They're like an hour or 40 minutes or 50 minutes or whatever. And it's a set that they have clearly worked out how to do in all of those languages. So they've got the set and it's the same songs, but they're singing them in one case in Croatian and another case in German and Italian or English or whatever. But it's all these like big hits in a genre. Mm -hmm. So I was just listening to the rock legend party. Um whereas the video below it on their page is the Latin Caribbean party, which is like very reggaeton kind of like you know you know well Latin you know yeah. clues in the word it's clues in the name that's interesting it's almost like you're buying a selection box of music you know hello we are we are competent musicians if do you like this genre we will play this genre what's your language we play in this language like I kind of dig that in their Instagram sort of description bit there's a section in what looks like Croatian. Um, and then a little bit in English at the bottom, followed by three heart emojis, which simply says, we like to make everyone happy. Well, I mean, who can argue with that? So, as I say, as I was saying, rather, this is a public service announcement. 
to all readers of the Wikicast, if you are an Instagram user, I mean, obviously you should be following Simon and myself, but if you're if you're if you've already done that, then bravo. Um, I would like you to go and find Teddy Lion Band. That's T E D D Y L I O N B A N D. One word. Hashtag not spawn. They've got about four hundred and thirteen followers, and I think we can boost their following a little bit. Um, they they look like they deserve it, and they. They're having an absolutely marvellous time. They are going to be so confused if they are still checking. I'm going to kick off the following right on, now. Let's have a look at their Instagram. When was the last time they posted? Oh, they posted a, they posted a, a Happy New Year 2022. So they are a- active. Wow. This is, this is a lot, Dan. And three posts before their Happy New Year post was a Happy Valentine's Day post, which shows just quite how regular... <laughs> That's the almost that's about as regular as I post on Instagram. To be fair, <laughs> I just I just don't like Instagram as a platform, Dan. I know we've spoken about this before. I just don't. I find that I waste a lot of time on it, and yet I still don't like it as a platform. Like I just it's a weird one, isn't it? I, I find it so shallow as as a way of putting content out there, and like. There are, don't get me wrong, there are great Instagram accounts and some of the ones that I follow that I really enjoy diving into are things like miniature painting Instagrams. So people like um, Dave Soper or um, Richard Gray or Miniac or whatever it is. Like there are these accounts that take amazing pictures of of models and often do like how-tos and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But so much of it is just bloody selfies. It's There's so much of it that's just really banal I mean, I don't think, I don't think I really use it very often i think i think the most of my stuff if i'm putting something on my story it's usually food because i like yes food. you do put a lot of and food i'm quite on, into yeah. i'm quite into that and then otherwise it's usually sort of i almost use it as an album mm. so like if i want to go and find a photo of a memory of a good time i'll go to my instagram to find the picture mm. so it's it's as much for my own personal use as it is for anybody else to sort of who you know gives a toss, which is the way that Facebook used to be. That was that was how people used to use Facebook in terms of it's just a place to collate my photos. You know, I'm much happier with using having a scroll through Instagram than scrolling through Facebook. I don't think I do that anymore. Mm. I use Facebook really for I don't know getting a message across to a large group of people as I did earlier this week, and um, and using Facebook Messenger. But as, aside from actually using Facebook as a platform, I don't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's again, it's almost well, it's kind of going back to what we were saying before. It's almost like a bit of a zombie platform. It's basically used by boomers and people for the younger people for Messenger and for mm-hmm. events is the other thing. Like, I think you can. It, there's a certain degree of legitimacy that having a Facebook event kind of grants you. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, this is a big party, guys. There's a Facebook event for it. Like, when our friend Hugo Wickman does something, it's like, oh, this is actually a big one if there's a Facebook event for it. Yeah, true. That's true. So it's like, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe I'm just, maybe I've let my feed on Instagram be cluttered by by the wrong people. But I, I mean, I'd argue that as somebody doing my job, I kind of have to... There's a certain level of tactical following that goes on. Like, you meet somebody, oh, hey, it's so nice to meet you, I'll follow you on Instagram. Like, and then, you know, they do the same thing back. And it's almost like a professional courtesy, almost. Right. Um, but, I'm, I, like, I'm scrolling through now, and my feed is basically Warhammer, Warhammer, uh, post from Jason Momoa, uh, Jim Mean, Warhammer, history meme, uh, oh, God, middle-class fancy meme. Like there's a lot of it's 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 a lot of sh- especially the memes that you find here are often relatively stale. That's not quite as bad as Facebook, but it's not the it's not where you find new memes quite frequently. I, sure, I don't know. I just I, I I like it too much to to walk away, but also not so much to actually bother uploading quite relatively frequently. Sure, it's also it. I mean, like you've you've sidestepped this because you just don't. You never put pictures up, really, of you. Like, I found that when I put pictures up that are not of me, which are the pictures that ultimately I like more, like, those are the things I find more interesting, they always just tank. They just never do very well. And yet, when I upload a picture of me, Mm. like, Instagram rewards me by loads and loads of likes. And it's just like, I... It it annoys me that people have bad taste. (laughs) The people... It it frustrates me. In the same way... And and it's it on YouTube as well. Like, when I do a YouTube thumbnail, if I put my face on the thumbnail... It will do better 
or, or relatively consistently. And it's annoying because I don't like that. And it, and it irritates me that that is a feature of the website. That's interesting. Do you think that's uh, that's like algorithmically built in then? I think it's because people, uh, from an evolutionary perspective, respond to human faces like we are we you know human beings are wired in to look for human faces it's that whole pareidolia sensation of you see faces where there aren't actually faces sure because the brain is so good at this but would you say that stretches to your content like the content that you release online because i would say that you know like when when a video takes off obviously it's going to be viewed by people who don't who might not be subscribed let's say mm. Or be following your content regularly, but you can safely assume that anyone who does follow your content will click on the link regardless of whether there's a picture of you or not. Well, that's the thing. I think a lot of the time they don't. Um, well, I can tell you that they don't because I have about four hundred thousand people following me, but a video will get ten thousand views at the absolute minimum in the first week, say. But that indicates that a tiny percentage of the people following me actually watch the videos. I think one of the benefits of having my face in the thumbnail is that it actually says to people, oh, look, this is a Simon video. And I'm like, oh, I remember this guy. I used to watch him years ago. I'm still subscribed for some reason. Um, and like, then if you get that higher click-through rate initially, having that slightly higher percentage of people from my typical audience clicking my videos, that then translates to algorithm a, a greater likelihood of algorithmic success in that you know, the YouTube says, oh, more people are clicking this than normal. Let's push this out to more people because apparently this is a good one. So okay. it's like you're priming yourself for success to to a broader audience. That's interesting. Which is, it's it's the part of the job that I am really bad at. I am, And unfortunately, the single most important thing about a YouTube video is its metadata, meaning its title and its thumbnail, basically. Like those are the two, the title and the thumbnail are the two largest factors in determining if a video is a success or not. Which is maddening because, of course, it should be how good the video is. But in my experience, there is a there is a very small correlation, but it's it is small between how good a video is and how many views it ultimately gets. Mm. And you know that's it, it, it's the part of the job that I can't stand and is unfortunately kind of intrinsic to actually being able to do it. So you know, maybe that's something I should just offload to somebody else. I should I should pay somebody an outrageous amount of money to just come up with titles and thumbnails for me, and it would probably be money well spent. But it also feels a little disingenuous as a personal product to have someone do that for me. It's yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird one. I the YouTube is a weird, it's a complicated profession, Dan. Um, yeah, I suppose you'll have to reach a you'll have to reach a point where especially with it being educational content where you know to to be striving for the most and or the the greatest level of educational outreach and still wanting to provide something that you consider a personal product mm. there'll be a point where those two sort of factors you know one will have to one will have to take over the other yeah and and it is this i i actually did an interview yesterday so these guys came over uh, to film for the european parliament um doing a thing for the european uh, science media hub uh and talking about basically how do you balance these different aspects because to me so much of my job is balancing different attributes it's balancing mm basically being a scientist and trying to convey information and it's but and it's also trying to be a storyteller and trying to get people to pay attention and you could and it, on either extreme it's bad because if you are fully just giving the facts and you are if i was to just open up the new ipcc report and read it line by line and perhaps give a little bit of commentary over the top of it that would be great outreach in that it would get information out to a larger audience that would otherwise read it but basically nobody would watch it Whereas on the other angle, if I was to make a video that was all style and no real substance, tons of people would watch it, but they wouldn't really learn anything and it wouldn't really have much value as an item, as, a, as an object. So it's like it's trying to balance those two things. And then, as you say, it's also balancing this like I'm an individual with my name underneath. This is a Simon Clark video. And now that's already being sort of diluted a bit because it's now being edited by somebody else, my, my wonderful editor. Um and you know, ba balancing that corporateness versus the individuality, like it's yeah. it's hard, and it, and it's one of these things that I think about probably too much, and it probably stops me from actually doing my job as as best as I can. Mm. But I don't know. I think I think this stuff is important, and it, it's something that maybe I should actually sort of write down properly, and um, you know, I should I should. 
uh, I should write a blog post or something about. Let me know if people are interested in this. Do email in and sort of let me know your thoughts about sort of where you stand as a as a viewer on when you're watching an individual because because you know, there are plenty of individuals on YouTube who are making videos as an individual like say Marquez Brownlee um makes phenomenal tech videos but he has a team of like 20 people mm. like who are all involved in the production of the videos and yet it is a Marquez video and it feels like a Marquez video yeah but it doesn't feel like a personal video because Marquez Brownlee in that sense has become a like a brand yeah become a company yeah it's not a it's not it's not representative of him as a person and i think that's what i'm trying to resist most of all is i don't and it's one of the one of the reasons not the biggest reason but one of the reasons why i moved away from uh from sort of doing as much vloggy content because when you're vlogging you make yourself the product and it felt like i my existence on earth was basically just becoming a brand and it's a really uncomfortable feeling. I can't really describe it to anybody who hasn't gone through that experience, but it's a really weird feeling to feel like you're kind of losing your sense of self and you're just being reduced to a product. Mm -hmm. I can understand why people who are actually, you know, famous and actually have large followings, people like, you know, Ronaldo or or whatever, I can understand why why they quite sometimes very publicly kind of you know, have have struggles with their mental health and actually their value as a person. Because when your every move is monetized to the tune of millions of dollars, like where does that leave you as a human being as opposed to a dollar value? Yeah. So we just before we started recording, we said we're not going to get into anything heavy. There's there's so much heavy shit going on in the world right now that's, you know, occupying our brains. And then I was just like, cool, I'm just going to like, I'm going to take the wheel and plunge it to the left. And we're just going to take a hard turn into Simon gets existential about being on YouTube. Sorry about that, folks. I think people would be interested about it, though. I certainly am. Do, do, if people are, if people have thoughts on this subject of individuality versus sort of brand on YouTube, let, email in. I'd be really, really interested to know. I think we might have exhausted most of what Teddy Lion has to offer. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> I'm sure. Aside from listening to what looks like a fairly substantial back catalogue. Uh, yes. And I, I bet you, I bet you their sets are really tight. I, I, they know what they're doing at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you're probably right. We should probably actually move on. And perhaps we can move on to a different kind of music, Dan. And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. So it's that time again for my choral piece of the week. Um, I was I was sort of thinking about what I want to do as my piece this week, and I'm taking most of my that there's been there's been stuff I've been listening to and 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 you know and, and things that I might be singing in the next couple of weeks and and you know it's sort of personal to me. But then I thought I'd go go for a sort of another approach and choose a piece that the uh, my choir, the Chagford Singers. Um, who, who rehearse out on a Wednesday evening in deepest, darkest Dartmoor. We are, we're doing for a part of our summer concert. Um, and it's a piece from the Nocturnes set uh-huh. by Lauridson. Are you familiar, Simon, with the Nocturnes set? I don't think I am familiar, no. It's a really, really wonderful group of, I think, four songs um, in various different languages. But the, I believe, the third movement... It's called it's sure on this shining night. Oh, I know this piece. Yes. Yeah. So people often know this because it's quite it's one of his more popular ones, but they don't realize it's part of a wider set. Right. OK. And it's quite a challenging piece. Um, there's there's a lot of I talked to Chagford about this idea of, of sort of as each bar comes up, we need to almost be grasping the bar lines on the left and right hand side of the bar and stretching them apart or pushing them together again. Um, the time is very sort of, you know, molto meno mosso. Um, there's constant, there's constant slowing up and speeding down. And, and it's, in, it's very, um, he, I think he writes quite sort of, this is going to sound really, I just thought about it in my head and I thought Say it would sound like such a, Say it. I think he writes very tactile music. Oh, that, 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 I was expecting worse than that, Dan. I know exactly what you mean. It, it's really, you know, like you can you can really sink into the music and you can let it sort of sort of run through your fingers and your hands and, and, and really sort of get a grip of it. And I, it's a really thrilling kind of, sort of type of music to certainly conduct, especially when the notes are learned and 
and they're sort of giving it their all. But it is very challenging. I, I, I think you can say this particularly as well of his Hebrew love songs. There are so many moments in that where it's... It, it, you're thinking of Eric Whittaker. Oh, wait, yes. sorry, hang on. Oh, yes, you're talking about Lauritsen. Sorry. Yes. yes. No, that's all but right. The, but, but, it, it's the, it, but the same is true. Yeah, it is a similar style. I mean, it's the there is this stable of American composers of, you know, sort of relatively recently who, who do all have this kind of style. But yes, but Lauritsen, um, the, the other thing for him that I've, I would love to actually sing in full, I've never done the full set, is the Lux Eterna. Um, ah, yes. Arc, what would you even call it? Collection? Arc? Because um, it's split into movements rather than just being one piece. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, but similarly, very tactile. So I, yeah, I, you know, I was expect I was ready to mock you, Dan, but I know exactly what you mean. I'll stand with you. So the Lux Eterna is a requiem. Is it a whole requiem? Yeah. Ah. Morton Lawrence, Lawrenceson's Lux Eterna is a requiem, but unlike the better-known requiems by the likes of Verdi, Mozart... Lauritsen's work is a tranquil, light-filled piece. So that's, I assume, why he refers to it as a Lux Eterna rather than a Requiem. Indeed. After its premiere, a writer for The Times called it a classic of new American choral writing and said old world structures and new world spirit intertwine in a cunningly written score at once sensuous and spare. Yeah. Which I think is pretty right. Get, oh, you're making me want to listen to this, Dad. This always happens. Whenever we record an episode, you mention a piece of music, and I'm like, oh, I really want to listen to it now. But now we're, we're recording for like another half hour. And I have, to, I have to be patient and wait. The Shore on This Shining Night, which so which, this is my choral piece of the week, hmm. um, Really, I really, really sincerely believe is worth a listen. In fact, the entire um, Nocturne set is brilliant. But if you just want to listen to one, then then do listen to to Shore on the Shining Night, because it's very, I don't know, it, it's got a real sense of when you when you start listening to it from the very beginning and when you when you get to the end of the piece, you really feel, you feel like you've been somewhere. Mm. Um, I'm not entirely sure where it is that you've been, but you feel, <laughs> you feel like that, you know, that you feel not changed, but you're in a different place to where you started. Right. And I think that's that's really skillful. And, and something that Lauritsen does incredibly well. I mean, if people want to listen, as every week, I include a link to the Choral Piece of the Week in the show notes, so do check it out, because um, oh, you're going to be doing what I'll be doing in about half an hour. <laughs> really, really, really so, Dan, we find ourselves in Critics' Corner, and I've got a confession to make. I know it's not Confession mm-hmm. Corner, but all the same. I've not really done very much this like in terms of downtime watching reading or listening to really anything i don't know about you <laughs> i've had a completely ridiculous manic crazy week um and i really haven't done really haven't done that either i i've managed to find 40 minutes one evening and i think it was actually on the day that if this is of any interest to anyone my um my law conversion results. Hey, Fergus, put some applause in here so it's not just me. Hey! Finally came out. And um, I'm really thrilled. I was, awarded a, um, I was awarded a distinction in the essay part of my writing. And then all of my exams, this sort of cumulative score, um, has, been, has been awarded a high commendation. So I'm really pleased. It also means I'm not going to be kicked off the LPC and, and the Masters, which is fantastic. Nice. Um, I have, I've had three mocks in the last week and then also have an interviewing, a mock interviewing exam on Zoom on Monday morning, Mm. which is also slightly sort of scary. It's the thing where I basically have to pretend to be a solicitor and somebody says like, hmm, so this is my problem. What do you think? And I've just got to sort of go on the spot and, and, and there's a whole sort of script to follow and with thing with certain things I need to say at certain times to be in line with SRA codes of conduct. So it's just making sure that you know the right things to say and the and don't say the wrong things to say. Mm. Um, so that's on Monday, but it's all very busy. But as a result, because my week has been so busy, I haven't really seen anything. However, there is a new series, and it's a CNN series that's being um, broadcast through BBC iPlayer. Um, and I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really really excited to. It's Stanley Tucci who I adore, mm-hmm. and I think it's called Searching for Italy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He's quite an interesting guy, to be fair. I remember when Pixel Girl and I were driving back from, I think it must have been from Christmas this last year, um, they had a thing of him on Radio 4 reading out part of his book, because um, he's really into his food, isn't he? 
Yeah, big, bigly, and bigly into his food. <laughs> bigly, bigly, bigly into we, his food. We left that behind, Dan. We're not. We, we don't use the vocabulary from the dark time. So he's done a couple of cookbooks. So there's the Tucci cookbook, the Tucci table, and Taste My Life Through Food, which is the most recent release. That was the one that I, we must have heard on Radio Four. Yeah, and I, I'm really, really keen to to get hold of some of these, especially this new one. But um, I'm desperate to watch this this series where he's going through various different parts of Italy, talking about sort of why he loves the country so much, but through the lens of cuisine um, and culinary sort of, you know, arts. And it's really great. It's really, really lovely. And I can't wait to watch it. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to try and find a bit of time maybe to, to watch some of that. It's just finding the time, like, at the moment... It, it really is, isn't it? Because uh, at the Gosh. moment, Pixel Girl and I are going for a spate of doing wedding planning stuff. Um, and it turns out, Dan, if you're getting married, there's a lot of, there's a lot of paperwork and, and stuff to sort out. Like Lots of admin. It's so much, so much admin, and it's all the stuff like, right, well, we've got to invite this person, which means that, you know, we've now filled out the venue, but we'd actually really like to invite these people. So it's, okay, well, you know, we'll send them a note to say they're not invited yet, but they probably will be, but then we've got to, like, rank them. So it, it, it all it all just... It's a lot. It's I, I can see why people now... I now see why people just do this at a registry office and get it done and over with. But at the same time, like, I I know I, I'm really looking forward to the actual day itself and actually being able to have all of the course. people there. Like, it's it's this... I had this kind of image in my head that, like... Because I, I, I don't think I knew this before, but the day before the wedding, if you're doing this in a church, you do a rehearsal and you get, like, all the, the, the big players... Uh, you know, in the room, and you run through how it's going to how it's going to work. Um, and I just had this f- image of like, right, well, my friends from home are going to be there because of mm-hmm. you know various important roles in the ceremony, and also Pixel Girl's family is going to be there because they've got the ring bearers. But then also Michael is going to be there from the choir, and then Reverend Hannah is going to be like, it's 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 all this. It's like a crossover episode of a of a show. Yeah, and like I'm really looking forward to having that crossover happening and all these different social groups that I love individually meeting and mingling and hopefully making new friendships like I have at previous weddings. Um, I'm I'm really really looking forward to it, but it is it's a lot of work, and and I've got to say I have not been doing the majority of it. Pixel Girl has been the absolute star of the show, as every show that she's been in, obviously. Um, but you know she has done so much of this logistical work, and she really really excels at it. I'm just sort of trying to catch up to her, basically. Mm. But it's not that far away. No, it's only a couple of months away, really. Um, oh god, god just saying that made my stomach drop <laughs> i just well i was thinking about this like the year is going so fast yeah you know we're already into we're already into march you know before before i know it in a couple of months i would have done my first half of my course exams and then the second half is my sort of electives that i've now finally made a decision on what i'm actually going to sort of specialize in as part of the lpc and then the masters and then before i know it i'm done and and the, the ending of my course is likely, hopefully, going to coincide with an ending of my time in Exeter. You know, I, I, mm. I want to go somewhere else. I want to be in a different place. And it's, a, yeah, it's it's very, it's a very funny, very funny feeling. It's, I mean, I guess Critics Corner this week is just life because... Uh, yeah, a critique on life. Life is going pretty, pretty bloody quickly at the moment. Um, it's, yeah. It, it, and it's one of these things that I think the older you get, and especially since leaving university, you come to this realization that, like, if you want to accomplish something outside of whatever you're doing for work, you know, because at university it's a little bit different, but like, if you're in the adult world and you've got a, a regular job, if you want mm. to actually accomplish anything else, there is so little time at the end of every yeah. day to actually try and do it before you've then got to get into the admin of making sure that your your house isn't going to fall apart and you do the laundry and you do the what dishes and all that kind of stuff. Like, it, it's a, it actually, the year falls away from you really quickly if you don't seize those small moments. Like, if you don't take those couple of hours in the evenings or a, or a couple of hours on the weekends to make that progress elsewhere, which I think is, like, simultaneously a little bit scary in that you only have so much time to work with, but also kind of motivating in that, you make your kind of dreams come true and you follow these long-term goals literally in half-hour chunks after work. Mm. Like, it's, I don't know. 
I, 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 I tr- I'm trying to get better at these long-term objectives and actually planning. And like the wedding is like a big one. Hopefully Pixelgirl and I are going to be moving house this year as well. When that's sorted, that's like a big one checked off. And then it's... It'll be great to, but when, you, when, you've, when you've settled in that house... And you yeah. feel like you've got you're really putting roots down will be a wonderful feeling. Yeah, and and now it's like right, all of the time that had previously gone into making this happen because it's been months now of of sort of you know searching and trying to do all the paperwork and finding getting a mortgage in principle and all this kind of stuff. Like once all that's done, it's like now what what do I want to do? And it's one of those big kind of existential questions of how do I want to use this time. Um, and it's only realistically going to be a couple of years before we're probably going to have a family and then that time's gone based on talking to friends because that time is suddenly making sure your kids are okay and spending time with your children and sort of what you know making sure they have the best childhood possible there's a narrow window in my life where i get to actually sort of tactically use this time and it's going to happen to you dan i'm pointing at the camera even though we're not on a video call it's going to happen to you <laughs> you, oh, know. you know make the most of this, these couple of years where it's like you actually have the time in the evenings to go that bit beyond and to actually achieve the things that you always want to achieve as a kid now is the time to actually do it boom there you go how's that for a critics corner so there you go readers that's more ex more existential thoughts from simon <laughs> Not just about my job, it's suddenly about you too. And you, and you. It's like the end of uh, The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and you were there, and you were there. A film I've never actually seen. Confession, another confession. Really? Yeah. I've wow. I've seen bits of it, but it's just, there are so many classic films that I have just never seen. Um, and I consider myself... Well, you need to save these. Save these classic films for when you're watching them with your kids. Exactly. Like, I mean, I, I actually have a Google Drive document that's just films I should have watched. And the top ones are E.T., Spirited Away, Grease, Back to the Future, and Alien. Wow. But also Lawrence of Arabia, Die Hard, Schindler's List, Fight Club, Taxi Driver. I've never seen... I've never seen... Um... Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. I must. That's the only one I think that you've listed off so far that I haven't seen. Sound of Music, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, um, The Great Escape, Children of Men, yeah. Wizard of Oz, Top Gun, Clockwork Orange, Braveheart, How to Train Your Dragon. I mean, it's a pretty diverse list. But like, it's it's all these things that I just know I should have watched at this point, and I've just have not. Maybe this is what I should be using my hour or two in the evenings to do is to actually watch a bloody film because I never actually at the moment i can't remember the last time i just sat down to watch a film for fun to watch a film properly though as well so to sort of you know set some time aside go and get some popcorn you know get a drink and like and, and really make it not just sort of like oh yeah i'll pop this film on now you know like actually make a sort of ceremony of it mm. yeah it's yeah, a lovely thing to do i i should i should take the time for this maybe maybe once everything's sort of sorted out with the, with the wedding and with the, with the house move whenever that's sorted like yeah I should really make the time to do this. So, but my uh, that's that's my contribution to Critics Corner. I'm critiquing myself. I do not take enough time to do the things that I actually want to do, and it's not going to be long before I run out of the time to do them. Perfect. Top lad, and we find ourselves in Patreon Corner. So, um, this is the this is the part of the show that makes the show possible. Dan, what is our Patreon URL, Dan? Well, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the wikicast. And you can basically pledge a couple of dollars a month. We, 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 do, not, <laughs> we do not request or indeed deserve any more than that. Um... Absolutely. <laughs> but, but your support allows us to pay our wonderful editor. It allowed us, allows us to pay for hosting. So this podcast actually has somewhere to exist online because, you know, this is episode 106, which means we've got actually quite a lot of sort of digital content out there and that content needs to go somewhere someone needs to sort of you know pop it on a shelf and maybe every week or so just sort of dust it off and make sure it's still okay and still trash yeah cool and and available to to, yeah available to access for those who for those who want it um yeah and and it's it's just a way of sort of supporting supporting us really and keep keep the podcast going and hopefully in the near future tell you what after we finish recording this episode dan i want to get some dates off of you um hopefully in the future we're gonna we're gonna record some more content there's a there's quite a few ideas like i'm playing um keep talking and nobody explodes was something that was suggested Mm -hmm. doing the um liquors from around the world doing the paintings and warhammer there's loads of videos we'd like to do we just need to actually set a date and then we can actually start to, to 
to release those on Spongy and Electric as well. Um, so that is where that money is also going to go towards paying for train tickets and for um, all that kind of stuff as well. So thank Absolutely. you. Thank you, everybody, for supporting us. And to say a special thank you, because when you sign up, you can choose to be on Team Cat or Team Dog. Uh, I, of course, am responsible. Uh, I'm the cheerleader for Team Cat being the supreme household pet. But I have next to me this... Hang on. I, ha I was given, and this is unbelievable it's lasted this long, a month ago I was given this um, helium balloon for the release of my book in the shape of a dinosaur, um, which I do love right. very much. It just about has some helium still in though, Dan. So I think what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to see if I can read out the names of our top cat patrons. Um, Perhaps a little higher pitched than normal. Oh my goodness. Because I can't think of a better use than the remaining helium than this. So, here we Fantastic. go. Let's see how much of this I can inhale in one go. So, I would like to thank Andy Hartley, Nathan Flaherty, Abu Ella, the physics boy, Simon P, Jack Easton, Izzy CC, Nafi Iftika, I sound like a tenor. This is amazing. I also, for some reason, have something of a, like an East End accent. Uh, Dame Valerie the Third, Layla Medina, Oliver Craigie, Will Jenis Humphreys. Hang on. Reds Kirk, Oliver Burghart, Easy, Omar Miranda, Cole Mansfield, Princess Andromeda, Choco Cat, Bendant, Isabel Ostrowski, Lewis Watson, Matt McGuire, and Dan Hanvey. I love you, Dan Hanvey. <laughs> said the, said the children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh! Yikes. I'm gonna get an enhanced DBS check on its way. And I would like to say an enormous thank you to our top dogs, and they are Jay Wright, Ben McMurtry, Peter Reed, Colin J Brown, Alistair Fortune, Eve Sharples, Lexi at front desk, Hasse Hansen, Sam Harvey, Aaron Jorgensen, Henry the Seventh, King of England and of France, Lord of Ireland, Nafleroc, Andrian. Dan got it right, Chan, Ben Caples, <laughs> Josh Yager, Martin Narciso, Christian from the Alps, Amy Bonney, and Lexi at Front Desk's boss. Thank you so much. Still lurking on their employees. <laughs> it's wonderful. What do you think is the most inappropriate thing I could read out in a really high-pitched voice? Um... <laughs> like... <laughs> The opening of Warhammer Forty Thousand. I don't know, like a, a poem from the set, a, po a poem from the, the the less we forget poem. They shall not grow old. Oh no! no okay, <laughs> maybe let's not do that. I'm just because I'm. I mean, you did. I mean, in fairness, you did ask me what's the most inappropriate thing. I think that's okay. pretty inappropriate. Perhaps maybe inappropriate is the wrong word. Perhaps inappropriate in a funny way. <laughs> right. Um, uh, the River Tate Bridge disaster. Maybe I feel like it needs to be something that's in odds with at odds with the sort of childlike pitch that it's got. So it would need to be something sort of. I mean, there is the opening. There is like the classic opening title crawl that you get from um, uh, like every Warhammer book that says about how grim and dark the future is. <laughs> yeah, or you could just do a Star Wars intro, or the Start Space: The Final Frontier. Hang on, let me get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna see if I can get. Oh, there's a Warhammer book just behind me. I want to see if it's if it would actually work. Let's see. So, this is Brothers of the Snake. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's give this a go. God, there's actually quite a bit of helium left in this thing. Right. It is the 41st millennium. For more than a hundred centuries, the Emperor has sat immobile on the golden throne of Earth. He is the master of mankind by the will of the gods and the master of a million worlds by the might of his inexhaustible armies. He is a rotting carcass, writhing invisibly with power from the dark age of technology. He is the carrion lord of the Imperium, for whom a thousand souls are sacrificed every day, so that he may never truly die. It really hits different when you read it as if a really, child is selling. It really does. <laughs> it's anything, it's slightly more alarming. <laughs> Hang on, there's the final paragraph of this. Is <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the more grim, dark paragraph, actually. Where's, that's, where's the opening? To be a man in such times is to be one among untold billions. It is to live in the cruelest and most bloody regime imaginable. These are the tales of those times. Forget the power of technology and science, for so much has been forgotten, never to be relearned. Forget the promise of technology and understanding, for in the grim, dark future there is only war. There is no peace amongst the stars, 
only an eternity of carnage and slaughter and the laughter of thirsting gods. Dear me. Wow. And what better way for that eerie... It's like that child from June. Yeah. I think it's time for Correspondence Corner. I think so too, Dan. <laughs> so we're going to kick off with an email from regular uh, reader of the podcast, uh, Sam Harvey, solicitor, PhD student. Um, and it reads, Dear Mr. DJ Moore, BAONS, GDL, LPC, MSC, and Dr. Clark... I'm sure you have some letters after your name, but I couldn't be bothered to look them up or listen again to the most recent episode where you discussed the length of Dan's amazing post-normalism. <laughs> <laughs> a short note to send most fel- um, felicitous birthday greetings to the world-renowned lawyer-to-be, Mr. Moore Esquire. As someone who is also having a birthday later this week, I'm honoured to share the week with someone whose birth will forever go down in history. Yep. For all the wrong reasons. <laughs> to celebrate the most triumphant event, please find attached by way of service an order of the High Court of Australia... <laughs> okay let's have a look at this there's a lot of easter eggs in this isn't there that i am too stupid to understand (laughs) yeah that's very nice that's very good so this is this is an order from justices keefel cj gagler keen gordon edelman steward and gleason j does that mean anything to you so the j will be judge right for the totally legit for the totally legitimate applicant (laughs) <laughs> DJ Moore Spiritus the court orders that the respondent has most uh, a most enjoyable day on the 21st day of February 20, 2022 being the day which marks his birth which will upon his admission of the legal profession be marked forever as a day of birth for one of the greatest legal minds in the common law tradition <laughs> from the date of this order the 21st day of February shall forevermore be a court holiday to celebrate the birth of the respondent and then we've got a lovely little bit of comic sans for the registrar M. Costello very, very good indeed. And um, Sam, happy birthday! I didn't realise it was your birthday this week. Yeah, happy birthday, Sam. Yeah, I hope, I hope you had a, a had a, a, a similarly uh, felicitous felicitous time. And we also have another email here from Lewis. Um, uh, subject: Most interesting thing to happen to me this year. Dear Mother Dan and Father Simon. Okay. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> Not funnily enough, Simon. Nor me. <laughs> I'm writing you this email while currently stuck in a banana. Full stop. Okay, I like this. Yep. I take it back. It's great. <laughs> I saw a Discord post asking for serious things that have interestingly happened to me this year. Two really interesting things that happened have been over the last month. For example, Monday, two days ago, I asked Keir Starmer, parentheses UK Labour leader. Do you remember this, Dan? You're familiar with Keir Starmer? Do I know who Keir Starmer is? Yeah. I, I, do, I do, yes. Yeah, UK Labour leader. Uh, a question on my... You remember the leader of the opposition that this that this government totally has. Like, the group of politicians that hold the Tories to account. Remember them? Back in, like, 2006. (laughs) A question on my local radio station about young voters, which was quite surreal. Plus, I had any... He doesn't say what the question was or what his answer was. I mean, to be fair, it doesn't actually... Maybe that's a teaser. Maybe we've got to do some digging. Some reading. To be fair, mm. I don't think it really matters what the question was. I think his response would be, ah, well, I, I'm going to try and talk like I've got cotton wool in my cheeks. So um, the thing is, uh, I own shares in a fence company and I am going to be sitting on them for the foreseeable, uh, Mr. Speaker. Something like that. That's the, it, It's going to be something along those lines. Mm-hmm. We, what did we say at the beginning of this podcast? We weren't going to get political. We weren't going to talk about things to... Yep. Sorry, funny voice. Let's let's just bring back the funny voice, Dan. <laughs> We're going to make the rest of this more bearable. Hopefully this email doesn't take a right turn into being really morbid because we're about to read out the rest of it in a stupidly high voice. Right, so he asked Keir Starmer a question on my local radio station about young voters, which was quite surreal. Plus, I had an email for, wait for, from the head of W Series Media and Broadcast Rights offering to license me footage for a coursework task. What? Wow. So, a, a, a media company offered to license you footage for your coursework? That's pretty good. That's pretty fun. Um, I hope you haven't fallen asleep. From Lord Lewis Bassendale. Knights, sorry, from Lord Lewis Bassingdale, King of Annetsford and the Duchy of Old Farts Estate. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Top stuff from Lewis there. This is the calibre, the calibre of email that this show deserves. 
Like what we want is every every week we want correspondence corner to be like the end of the dark night. <laughs> <laughs> where it's like it's the email we we need but not the one we deserve right now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. amazing well dan what have we learned this week this week simon we learned about teddy lion of course we did how could i forget todor vasilev known professionally as teddy lion singer songwriter guitar player and music producer from porek croatia and uh, a purveyor of very fine musical sets available in a multitude of languages absolutely and after that, we ended up not being totally grim at all. Well, well, no, to be fair, we talked about sort of YouTube and sort of that creator side of things and sort of that balance of per, uh, individual versus versus sort of corporate. And I would be really interested to hear people's thoughts about that. Um, and, did. and then our critics called us basically us saying life is quite, quite busy, really. Yeah, we had a we had a I think a really excellent, if I do say so myself, choral piece of the week. Sure on this shining night by mm-hmm. Morton Hudson. Very fine choice. We capped things off with an ever an ever sort of heartfelt thank you to our patreons and uh some stellar correspondence yes stellar in the sense of cheap watery lager not <laughs> <laughs> not beautiful not stars. wonders of the cosmos <laughs> <laughs> oh i'd love oh that'd be great just getting neil degrasse tyson or, or carl sagan to just <laughs> just just do weatherspoons reviews. why don't when we do our video of of drinking all of these different um drinks we can call it interstellar but it's just interstellar oh, <laughs> yes and we can try and recreate the um the sort of the the, the, the film poster <laughs> what and so you're thinking there's going to be like a spinning pint glass and then one of us has got to try and drink it by spinning at exactly the same rate and trying to talk yeah. <laughs> whilst, whilst you know, realise uh, that we can't actually do it because we are the pint glass uh, whilst someone's going absolutely mental on an organ just off, off camera right <laughs> yeah I'm standing in the background just pulling books off a shelf <laughs> Murph <laughs> are you behind this bookshelf Murph <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, oh, why did everyone go crazy for that film? It's so... uh, ah. Anyway, thank you. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. That's not the end of this show. It goes more like this. That's all for this week's... Ah, bollocks! Let me try and do that lead-in again. That's all for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. Join the Discord, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. A continued call for your favourite teenage albums. Don't forget to follow Teddy Lion on the Instagram and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And, and we'll, we'll see, see you, you next time. time. Oh, can you do the can you do that quote from the um you were so busy pretending to play guard? Oh. <laughs> didn't ask why you know like that can you do that one? Oh, hang on uh, so that's what's his name Malcolm? jeff goldblum isn't it your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could they didn't stop to think if they should oh gosh it sounds so different when it's a child saying it it does oi f- you dan <laughs> you got this you look down and there's somebody sort of like clawing at the knees of your lab coat <laughs> <laughs> this isn't funny turn me back into an adult <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>